today from the Global Lane. Feeling anxious and troubled over the COVID-19 pandemic? President Trump's personal pastor shares some thoughts on how to lessen the stress. On the home front, state of emergency. Constitutional rights violated? The government now saying we want to suspend the courts and you only can't go before a judge? Also, a look at how churches are responding during the shutdown. And shining light amidst coronavirus darkness. And it's all right here on The Global Lane. The global COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic is escalating, fast approaching half a million confirmed cases worldwide, with more than 18,000 deaths. President Trump says he'd like to see the United States opened up by Easter. This year, that's April 12th. Some health experts say that would be premature, but Nobel laureate Michael Levitt says he sees signs of recovery. Levitt has analyzed COVID-19 and data from 78 countries. He believes the number of infections will start decreasing more quickly than expected. The shutdowns, the health risks, social distancing, all of this, of course, is weighing heavily on the world and the American people. So how can we overcome our fears, anxiety, and impatience? Well, Pastor Paula White Kane is personal minister and spiritual advisor to President Trump. She's a motivational speaker and author. Her latest book is Something Greater, Finding Triumph Over Trials. She hosts the television show Paula White Today. Paula, thank you for your time. A lot of people are getting laid off right now from their jobs. They worry about the future, being able to pay bills. Older people, of course, concerned about their health. They're shut in without direct contact with loved ones and grandkids, so forth. So what are you telling people when they seek advice from you about dealing with all of this? You know, in uncertain times, we certainly have a certain God. This might have caught us off, you know, off uh, our course and blindsided us, but it certainly did not catch God off guard. And the one thing I encourage people is God, throughout all of his word, from Genesis through Revelation, doesn't only provide us with words of comfort, but he shows us when people went through very difficult times. You look at the plague in Numbers chapter 16 and how Moses sends Aaron into the midst of the assembly to take the censer, that is to offer up prayers and to stand between the dead and the living. And the prayers of God's people literally stopped the plague. We know that we need science, technology, Doctors were doing everything humanly possible, but I believe one of our greatest weapons is that of prayer. We also see Psalm chapter 91. Uh, rabbis continue to read that as a, a psalm of deliverance, a psalm of protection. And we see that as he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Of course, it goes on through 16 verses to give us all these wonderful promises, but to dwell means to sit. And as hard as it is during this time, uh, we have to learn how do we homestead? How do we sit in God? Because his promises are sure for us. And I am seeing throughout maybe, you know, these difficulties, pandemic, I remind people, remains to, means to be widespread. And it is widespread. That doesn't mean that uh, the, the death toll, as you said, is increasing, but because especially the drastic actions that President Trump took initially by shutting those borders down and shutting off travel to China and the hot spots, um, what he did with uh, 
creating those borders with Europe and shutting down the flights there, I believe that caused us to be drastically ahead. So we took some very difficult, tough steps in the beginning that we knew that would begin to slow that curve. We didn't want that steep spike. We wanted that curve and that everyone's so familiar with now. And that's why we were saying 15 days, 15 days. Does that mean everything goes away in 15 days? No, but it means we certainly have been able to control and we'll get some of that hard data as you were talking about. We'll see our economy not only recover, but I believe that it will also, it will soar. This is a a temporary thing. It's a new life. I mean, it's when you say we've learned new things through it, uh, social distancing. I like to use the word physical distancing because we need to be socially connected. We need people to know that we care. We love them. How are you doing? Text someone today, reach out, give them a word of encouragement. Let them know that, you know, a sovereign God is not caught off guard by this. And Paula, uh, how can we pray for the president? I know he's facing hostilities, a hostile media every day. Criticism is unrelenting. I'm sure he's hearing many voices about how he should respond or not respond to this pandemic. So how should we pray for him at this time? It's interesting. I've been on several calls that actually asked the president. They said, um, sir, how would you like us to pray? And I heard him repeat that he wants to pray for all Americans to be healthy, to be well, um, that we need to pray for this nation. Um, and his concern was for the well-being of all people. Personally, I think we should continue to pray James 1.5, that he would walk in wisdom and that he would be led by the Spirit of God, that good information would be given to him. Um, we need to pray for all of our leaders during this time. He's got those tough shoulders, they're broad shoulders. Um, we're all human, I'm sure. We need to pray that he would stay strong and not weary and well-doing for his physical and spiritual and emotional stamina. Pray for his family as he works tirelessly on behalf of the American people. And uh, he is doing a phenomenal job. I mean, polls are showing that. Everyone's saying, I, I mean, it's skyrocketing. If, if people thought, boy, this would be the demise, the exact opposite. I've known him for 19 years. He's a phenomenal leader. He's able, especially during difficult times, to rise to the occasion. He's at his highest ever for approval ratings. Okay, I'm sorry we're out of time, but Pastor Paula White Kane, there's a lot to pray about, especially for the president, our leaders, our nation, other countries. Thank you for your time and insights. Thank you. Here on the home front, are states and the federal government seizing too much power during the COVID 19 crisis? Are they violating the U.S. Constitution during the state of emergency lockdown? Well, here to weigh in is constitutional attorney John Whitehead. Mr. Whitehead is founder and president of the Rutherford Institute. John, I thought when a state of emergency is declared by the president and governors, the intent is to provide emergency response, mostly money, I guess, for states and localities. But you say it's gone way beyond that. Please tell us, give us some examples that trouble you. The Fifth Amendment is really clear. You cannot take away the life, liberty, and property of Americans without due process of law. We should be suspending the courts. People should have access to the courts. We're seeing some uh, places now uh, seizing guns. You have the L.A. Uh, mayor now, Los Angeles mayor, saying he's going to cut off water and power to businesses that he does not feel are essential. So we're seeing a lot of what, we, what we've seen happen in other countries. And I got an article on this, but you go to our website where I talk about these things, suspending the Constitution, 
I, I'm really concerned that when we come out of this mess, that we don't come out of it less free. In other words, and I want Americans to really understand why it's important to keep our freedoms, because in other crises around the world, when these things happen, people have lost their freedoms and their governments have gained a lot of power. And in the end, we the people lose, especially the people out there that can't afford lawyers and need all the help that the Roth Institute gives people. Well, John, what, uh, when all of this is over with, then uh, you, you say you're concerned that we won't be going back to normal. What do you expect to change here? What may happen? Well, people may acclimate to this climate, uh, especially in places where they're actually uh, very draconian, uh, taking away guns uh, and uh, arresting people for walking outside and things like that. We're starting to see that happen. Um, if it gets any worse, it, it could re really get out of hand. And like I show in my articles, the article at Rutherford.org on my website, Suspending the Constitution, the government has amazing powers. And when you have the government now asking to be able to detain Americans indefinitely without being having a lawyer and a trial, that's pretty scary stuff. <laughs> that undermines everything the Founding Fathers gave us, and which was our liberties. And what it means is you don't have absolute rights if the government can just take them away and say, this is an emergency, we're going to take them away. And that's why I'm saying a lot of this should be supported by facts, and people should have access to the courts. But when you have the government now saying, we're going to suspend the courts, and you, don't, you can't go before a judge, I mean, that does undermine everything that we that supposedly believe in. And the fellow who wrote the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, James Madison, said this, we ought to mistrust all those in power. And what he was saying is people sometimes overreact. And I'm seeing a lot of overreaction now. I mean, I was, and people who live in violent neighborhoods have told me the government's taking away their pistols and rifles and stuff like that. And old ladies are telling me, all I have is my weapon in the house. The police never show up when I'm calling. They're too busy. And so we, we want to protect the people, but most of all, we want to keep our rights and make sure when we come out of this thing that we've learned a lesson. So I'm advocating that people get really active in your local government after this is over and make sure that a lot of the things we're seeing in this country that we don't like, like the 80,000 SWAT team raids that are occurring annually in this country, that we can slow these things down and maintain our freedoms. So, John, what else should be done about this government overreach uh, that's happening on the state and federal level? What else can we do? When you say that when our government's saying they want to hold and detain people indefinitely definitely without seeing a lawyer, and that's what the Trump administration is asking, the DOJ is asking Congress to do, we should be outraged at that. You do not want to be treating people because they might have a cold or whatever or doing something that the government doesn't like, being able to put them away, and you can't never see them again. This is the old Soviet Union, things like that we've seen in the past. So what people should do is, and this is the key, get active in your local governments, and your local governments can set rules and, and make sure that we're protected in times and, and use rational thought in these things, not let get so crazy that we start throwing our rights out the window. I love my country, but the thing that bothers me most is how the government reacts sometimes in these situations. After 9-11 passed, you had George Bush pushing away through the U.S. Patriot Act, which basically... Uh, created the mass surveillance state. Everything we're doing is being watched now because so, they crashed into the towers. But we have to suffer it. And, of course, we've seen what that's done with the FISA court. So, John Whitehead, president of the Rutherford Institute, thank you, John, for sharing your constitutional insights. Thank you, sir. The number of Americans suffering work loss from the COVID-19 pandemic is expected to skyrocket in the next few weeks with 80 to 100 million jobs at risk. How will churches respond to help those out of work? 
Already offerings and donations are down because most churches have shut their doors and have moved services to online to protect health of their members. Well, joining us is the president of the American Pastors Network, Sam Rohrer. Sam, it's good to see you again. So COVID-19 poses a major challenge to churches and pastors. How are they responding? Well, Gary, uh, most are responding with wondering, how do we balance, number one, uh, the command to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, which is a biblical command, with that of civil government that says, don't gather yourselves together. That's a dilemma for many. But in the heart of, in the essence of trying to protect our own family members, our own church members, and those around uh, from the spread of the virus, most all churches have, have agreed with civil government and said, we will forsake for temporarily meeting ourselves together. Now, herein though, this challenge, I also, I always say, and we've heard the saying, necessity is the mother of invention. I'm saying that challenges to the church can also be a time to cultivate creativity. Meeting together within the walls of a church are not as important as meeting together in prayer in other ways. And thank the Lord, we have technology. And I've just been thrilled with, uh, with how much creativity uh, that we are seeing with, uh, with, with churches communicating online. Uh, there is a church close to us who is actually uh, setting up speakers in their parking lot, going to call it a drive-in church. People come and they will sit in the car, and they're actually going to link them up to a low uh, FM transmitter, and they're going to be able to listen to the service while they look at it from a distance on their car radio. This is, this is an amazing thing. And, uh, and I think herein is where, as we look, and we're trying to encourage pastors, do not uh, disobey government at this point. Do not forsake the assembling ourselves together, but increase and take this opportunity as a time to say, how creatively can we communicate, maintain connectivity, and yes, indeed, meet the needs of our people inside our own assemblies, like we've perhaps never done before, and demonstrate that need to people outside the walls of the church. I think it's a time of great need, yes, but also great opportunity. Yes, that uh, parking lot uh, services reminds me a little bit of the old drive-in movie theaters, but instead of a speaker being attached to your car, just tune into the FM radio. So, Sam, I want to take a moment just to give some recent statistics. Now, this was before the COVID-19 pandemic. A Barner research study showed that fewer millennials and Generation Xers value regular church attendance and church membership. While 68% of church baby boomers say they're members of a church, only about 48% of church millennials and 51% of church Gen Xers confirm membership. Only about 27% of non-practicing Christians in the U.S. say churches have a very positive impact on their communities. So, Sam, what can pastors and churches do to change that perception, especially now during the COVID-19 crisis? Well, I think one of those things is uh, I think the opportunity to now... Uh, to demonstrate what we know the millennials and Generation X uh, in part are saying for why they have left the church or think the church is not important is they say they have not seen any authenticity. Well, I say, well, well, this is a great time for the church to stand up and do what the church is called to do, and that is the communication of hope. And, uh, and, uh, and redemption through Jesus Christ. These are a time when, when the world 
uh, younger and older are looking and saying, what's going to happen? We've not walked this road before. What a great time for the church and those to stand up and say, uh, the Lord has laid out the plan before us, and he is our refuge and our strength. It's a time for us to demonstrate that, to teach us. I am hoping and praying that perhaps the millennials and others, when confronted with the fact that a lot of those things in which we trust, our bank accounts, our jobs, uh, a good life, a security, all of those things which are being threatened, that they look not to government, but they look to God. At that point, that's where the church should be reaching out to them and saying, this is in fact what the body of Christ is all about, meeting the needs of others, coming together in prayer, offering up our praise, yes, in these times, our praise to God above who can meet all of our needs. I think that God may be putting judgment upon this nation, but embedded within that is mercy and an opportunity to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ in a real, in a real and authentic way. And still time to roll up the sleeves, maybe put on some gloves, a mask, and uh, go out and serve. Many challenges for pastors and churches in America today, not just with COVID-19 and the coronavirus outbreak. Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, thank you so much for your time and insights. Thank you, Gary. Where is God in the midst of this COVID-19 viral crisis? Has he abandoned us? I'd like to think it's the other way around. Maybe we've abandoned him. Nevertheless, there are glimmers of light and hope. I'm touched by selfless acts of kindness and moments of prayer during this viral crisis, like 72-year-old Italian priest, Father Giuseppe Bruardelli. Afflicted with COVID-19, he gave his respirator to a stranger. It saved the younger patient's life, but Bruardelli lost his. Christ told us in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. In this case, Father Giuseppe gave his life for a stranger. Heroic faith, folks. Also encouraging, these hospital workers who begin their daily battle against the COVID-19 virus in prayer. Yes, let's not forget to pray for our healthcare workers for strength, perseverance, times of rest, and God's protection. Earlier, we talked with Christian author and advocate Alex McFarland. He's part of the nationwide ministry, Truth for a New Generation. Alex, people are getting sick. Many Americans are out of work. There's a lot of fear, anxiety out there. What are you telling people? Well, you know, we're telling people, obviously, do, do what uh, your doctors say and do what the responsible protocols are that our government is asking us to do. And, and by the way, I do, I do think our president and his staff are doing a masterful job at, at handling what, for the whole wide world, are or uncharted waters. But I'm telling people things like John 14, 27, where the Lord said, uh, let not your heart be troubled, do not be afraid. Uh, Jesus promised peace, security, salvation. And what we're telling the world is that the comfort and the reassurance everybody craves right now, it's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know from my own Bible reading, there are a lot of fear nots in the Bible. This is already having an impact on our culture, Alex, with all the social distancing, the online communication for churches, others. How do you expect our culture will be changed by this in the long run? You know, that's, uh, to a degree, it's anybody's guess. 
But I, I happen to believe that we are in the last days of history. Now, no man knows the day or the hour of Christ's return, obviously. But I will say for uh, a number of years, a, a lot of things have been coalescing into a, a worldwide paradigm shift. And we've seen over the last decade that just the abolition of moral boundaries, people fighting uh, fervently to defend abortion on demand, and then the redefinition of marriage, the mainstreaming of homosexuality, now transgenderism. And it can be grounds for dismissal or a lawsuit if you insist that males are males and females are females. So we are in the midst of a radical, radical reshuffling of the deck worldwide. I believe there's going to be a great revival, a great move of God's Holy Spirit just before the rapture. But I would say to everybody, obviously the thing on, on, on everybody's mind is this virus called corona, but there's, there's an even worse toxin. It's called sin. And the, the answer for sin, the sin problem, is the great physician Jesus. And you specialize in Christian apologetics. It seems like this crisis provides Christians with an excellent opportunity to share their faith and calm people's fears. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Christianity is a, a belief system shown to be true by compelling lines of evidence that the tomb is empty. History, archaeology, science, the manuscript evidence, even things like mathematics and biology, they all prove these things, that God is real, the Bible is true, and Christ is authentic. If ever there were time to have one's, one's house in order, have your heart right with God, this is that moment. And the good news, Christianity is real. Amen. Alex McFarland, thanks so much for joining us today. God bless you, and God bless CBN. People are posting a lot of prayers and scripture verses on social media during this crisis. One of my favorites is from Matthew 11:29 and 30. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yes, let's not forget to turn to Him when we're anxious and troubled, because while news events and situations change continually, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His unconditional love for us never changes. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.